0: Well, let's uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we're uh, slowly working our way through these verses, and, and we're going to complete through verse 3 this morning, but uh, I think we need to read uh, the first six verses of, uh, again of chapter 4, so let's, uh, let's read. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. "...with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been, were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism." one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Well, we have been looking at these, uh, these behaviors, what is required of us as Christians to walk worthy of our calling. And I uh, don't want to belabor the point, but uh, the first three chapters, we looked at doctrine. It's so important, Christian that you understand what we believe. Because belief impacts, determines behavior. Okay? And so Paul says you need to walk worthy of all the things that God has done in your life. What all God has done internally, our walk needs to equal the blessings that have been poured out into our lives spiritually. Why? Why are we to walk worthy to maintain the unity of the Spirit uh, in the bond of peace? God has created this unity, and as we walk worthy of our calling, we are going to preserve the unity as God's people in this place. We are to be one body. And so these characteristics are so very important. These We as Christians possess all of these spiritual blessings. And God has done this in our life through, through the grace of his salvation. And he has made us in such a way that we have or we are to do these good works. God hasn't left us alone. God has given us His Spirit, and this Spirit, His Spirit enables us to do these things. I want to pause for just a moment because I noticed Dixie's with us this morning. Dixie's, welcome, welcome back. We've missed you. She's she's had a, she ha- has had quite the recovery, and uh, she's back home. So it's good to see her this morning. But we are God's workmanship, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, ten, four. His good works. And part of that good works is walking worthy of our calling. This is not optional. As Christians, we are to be identified by this worthy walk. To not do so is to cripple the saving power of, Of the gospel. The gospel changes our hearts. And when we truly know. All that God has done. We are overwhelmed by his love. And want to walk. In a particular way. That the Bible describes. So we've looked at two characteristics so far. First we've looked at. Humility. Or lowliness. And that is. The opposite of pride. And this when we encounter the grace of God in our life, you and I are overwhelmed with gratitude for all that Christ has done because we can't save ourselves. God chose us before the foundation of the world to be called children of God through his precious son, Jesus Christ, who shed his precious blood for our redemption. As we know these things, it humbles us and we are in, enables us to walk with humility with lowliness and in this humility you and i are putting others before ourselves okay it's not about my preference what what is important to me It's about what God wants to see take place in this church. And we're going to put others ahead of ourselves. That is a person who walks in humility. And then two weeks ago, we looked at uh, gentleness. Gentleness is part of this worthy walk. Humility, gentleness. Now, the... Does that mean that you're a weak person or a cowardly person? Absolutely not. But it does mean that in this gentleness, we are like Christ. Christ is our supreme example, model of gentleness. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Come to me. And learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is humble. Was he weak? Was he cowardly? Absolutely not. But in this humility and in this gentleness... Jesus never approved of sin. He was, no, he was never passive about sinful behavior. In his humility and gentleness, in love, Jesus confronted sin. When he was with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, Jesus knew exactly what was making this woman thirsty. She had been with many men, and none of these men had satisfied her thirst. She needed Jesus. Only he could quench her spiritual thirst. Men were not going to be able to fill up her deepest needs it was failing. Jesus knew this and he confronted her sin. When the woman who had been caught in adultery was brought to Jesus and and the religious leaders wanted to stone her, Jesus said, he who's without sin cast the first stone. But when it was one-on-one with this, this woman, this sinful woman, Jesus said, neither do I forgive you. Now, go And sin no more. Jesus spoke the truth. But Jesus spoke the truth in love. There's two times in his ministry when Jesus overturned tables in the temple. Once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end of his ministry. Why? Why? Because the religious leaders were price-gouging those who longed to come and worship uh, God in the temple. And they were being abused. They were being taken advantage of. And Jesus overturned those tables because it had become a den of thieves, a den of robbers, when God's house is a house of prayer giving people an opportunity to have an encounter with the living God. Jesus stood up against that kind of behavior. He condemned the hypocrite, hypocritical leaders of Israel. And, and it told people that unless you repent of your sin, you continue to be under the wrath of God. John chapter 3, verse 36. And so when we look at Jesus as being gentle and humble, Jesus didn't ignore sin. In church, nor should we. But in confronting sin, we need to do it in a loving manner. When we look at Jesus' life, Jesus never defended himself. He took whatever was coming to him, but Jesus always took up defense of those who were marginalized, who those who were being oppressed. Jesus could have defended himself. The Bible says he could have called more than 12 legions of angels. That's over 72,000 angels to come to his defense. But Jesus didn't do that. He continued to live that lowly and gentle life. And so walking in a manner worthy of our calling, Paul says, with all humility and gentleness. Now we come to the four, third characteristic this morning, and that is patience. Patience is long suffering. Uh, the Greek word for long suffering is makrothumia. It's a very common word in the New Testament, and it means to endure in trouble, endure in testing, in temptation. In deprivation, Paul said in Philippians, I've learned in all conditions to be content. Patience is the ability to stay faithful, joyful, peaceful, content, no matter what the circumstances are in your life. Okay, and so my question to you this morning How patient are you? We're talking about things that are very difficult, okay? This this is not our default mode in the flesh, okay? Uh, Our default mode doesn't automatically gravitate to humility and gentleness and, and patience. But when we're filled up with the fullness of God... And, we've, and that blessing has been poured out in our lives. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And when we're dependent upon the Spirit of God in our life, and church, we need to be dependent on God constantly. He enables us. We have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to be a patient person. And we need that patience. We learn that in Abraham's life. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 15, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Okay, the promise of the son that was going to be given to Abraham and Sarah. And how long did they have to wait? We looked at this in the book of Genesis. They had to wait 25 years. Did they always do it God's way? Nope. They tried to help God out, and they got into some serious trouble, and we've been suffering with uh, that mistake uh, all up and through today. But over time, Abraham learned to trust the sovereign, providential care of God in his life. And he and and Sarah obtained the promise. Abraham learned to be patient. To wait on the Lord. You know, James talks about this in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Verse 5 says, be patient. Therefore, brothers, until when? Behold, the judge is standing at the door. How long are you and I to be patient until the Lord returns? James says, look at the farmer and how they wait for the crop to come. You want to build patience into your life? You know what's coming next. You know how to build patience? Plant a garden, a vegetable garden in the desert, okay? And, uh, and you'll learn that you have to wait patiently and you need to do a lot of di- different things in order for the fruit, the, the produce to eventually to, to be produced. But it requires, I gave up on gardens, okay? <laughs> that wasn't helping my spiritual life. <laughs> but, uh, the farmer has learned to wait and the farmer has to wait on on um on nature you know if we, we if we learned if we waited on nature to to water our gardens in the desert uh, we would be in deep trouble wouldn't we but uh farmers elsewhere they wait for the rainy season the rains to come to uh help water those those crops they're trusting the lord they're they're trusting that god is going to provide If God's going to provide here in the desert, it requires a little bit more of the IWV, okay, to bring water to our home, to make sure it gets on on our garden. But the principle here with patience is that we need to wait on the Lord. We be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Church, you need to strengthen your heart. And church, we need to be strengthening our hearts today. Christ is going to return. And it's going to be sooner rather than later. And we need to be prepared. And he's praying that when he returns, that he will find faith in our hearts. But God, through the person of Jesus Christ, is going to come back. And when Christ comes back, church, he's going to make everything right. You know, as we walk in humility and gentleness and patience, that means that we're not people who are seeking revenge. We're going to talk about this a little bit in a, in a moment. But we don't seek revenge Vengeance, we trust God because God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And if you're waiting on the Lord's return and you're strengthening your heart in this truth, you'll be able to endure. You will have that, that characteristic of patience. The farmer waits. We are to, to be patient, And this patience is is to be found through negative circumstances. Christ is going to come back and he's going to put all things back in order. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14 says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. All. Who are we to be patient with as God's people? Everyone. We are to be patient when we bear insults, injury, persecution, unfairness, False accusations, criticism, hatred, disappointment. Bible says, "Be patient with everyone," and that's not easy. You know when these things happen in our life. We want God to do something about it, and we want God to do something about it now. But guess what? He often doesn't, does he? And we wait. I've said this often, and I'll say it again. When things aren't going your way, and and you're being accused of things that you haven't done, and you want to defend yourself and, and uh, protect yourself, in those times you just need to focus on your character. Do the right thing. And in doing the right thing, you know what? God's going to take care of your reputation. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated with this this uh, season of snow that we are having in the Sierras. And, uh, you know, every year... Uh Caltrans comes along before the season starts, and they put these snow poles in the ground don't they off to the side of the road and um, you know they're off by the shoulder and they're really tall and every time I think to them myself you know that 's a bit over the top it doesn't have to be that that tall we 're not going to see that much snow, and what 's happened this year. We can't see those snow poles; they are buried. But you know, when it comes to the Christian life, and we're being in, we, we're starting to face a storm. You know, people are accusing us of, of some things, or or we're being insult, they're insulting us, or they're criticizing us for our faith, our belief, or we're disappointed in uh, something that people said they were going to do and they didn't do. Um, you know, and we've got this turmoil, this storm, and sometimes maybe it's piling up and we're thinking to ourselves, you know, what am I going to do? You know what? God's given us a book. And while we're going through those storms, those times of difficulty, you know what? As we follow the book, we stay within the snow poles. Okay. And as we're following the book and doing what God would have us to do, we're not going to run off the side of the road. We're not going to, we're not going to fall off a cliff. Um, and even if it gets to the point where we don't See the snow poles anymore. Guess what? Because we're walking worthy and being patient and humble and gentle, we've paved a path that we may have to replow as storms continue to come. But we've got the boundaries. And even though we can't see the poles anymore, guess what? God's given us the book and we can trust the sovereignty of God and the circumstances that he is allowing in our lives in the moment. He's given us his, his spirit. He's poured out his blessings. And we have the ability to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient. These are th- characteristics that need to characterize our life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And I want to read verses 14 through 21. God knows what you're going through. Don't try to defend yourself. This is what the Bible says, beginning with verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves This was not virtuous in a Roman society. It was not virtuous in a Greek society. But this is to be virtuous of the Christian life. Walk in humility. Walk in meekness. Walk in patience. This is how the church maintains, preserves the unity of the body of Christ. So patience. Again, a very difficult character to to display. Impossible in the flesh. It requires the work of the Holy Spirit in our, in our life. And then number four, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Showing tolerance for one another in love. Bearing. Bearing. This is to describe our life as Christians. And uh, we have a new memory verse for the month of, uh, of March this morning. And uh, they are uh, at the table there in the chapel or at the Connection Center. But it's John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said this, a new commandment. I give you a new commandment to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How many relational problems would this solve if we took this verse seriously? If we displayed love for one another, if we bore um, with one another in love bearing with one another is bearing something it's carrying a person in love even though they may be hostile even though there are they are difficult they may be your enemy but god wants us to bear with one another in love Who are you struggling with at the moment? Who are you having a difficult time with? You're having a hard time being patient, gentle. Um, You're certainly not bearing with them in love. My friend, this morning, God is speaking to your heart. And God wants to use you to to have a breakthrough in your life in reconciling this relationship. They may not reconcile, okay? And if they don't reconcile, that's not your problem. But your responsibility is to be patient and bear with them in love. Forbearing love. What does this mean? 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8 says, Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. Okay, that word uh, earnestly or fervent is the Greek word uh, ectenes And it means stretching a muscle as far as it can be stretched. Okay, and... Uh, <clears throat> you know, in difficult relationships and we're, we're keeping fervent in our love, I mean, we're going to stretch that muscle. If, we, if we're being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, doing what God would have us to do, we're, we're, we're going the second mile. We're doing whatever we can to cover that person's sin. The Bible says love covers a multitude of, of sin. 1 Peter 4 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean we condone the sin, okay? We speak the truth in love, but we keep loving the person. Not approving of their sin. Not cutting off that relationship, but being honest about what the Bible says and continuing to patiently love them. But stretch that muscle to cover a multitude of sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Paul says, Love is patient and kind, Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love Never fails. And again, only the people who know God and all that God has done for them are able to live this kind of life. Walk worthy, Paul says, of your calling. Again, that doesn't mean we tolerate sin. Jesus didn't tolerate sin. Jesus confronted sin when necessary. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, when Paul says, speak the truth in love. But as God's people, we must be driven by truth and by grace. Like what my former pastor, Rob Zinn, used to say, in describing the church, people would ask him, "How how would you describe your church?" And he said, "Well, our church is liberal and conservative and militant." When he said that, he gave him a weird look. What do you mean by that? Well, liberal in our love for one another, conservative in our theology and doctrine, and militant with the, any of those who try to come between the two of those things. I think that's a great description. But we need to be liberal in our love with one another. Conservative in our theology, in our doctrine. We don't water, water down the truth. We don't tolerate sin. And uh, we're militant towards those who try to divide those two things of who we are to be. So, uh, I know these are hard words. And some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, how can I live this kind of life? If I live this kind of life, aren't people going to walk all over me? And again, Jesus never defended himself. And if you're going through that, people are taking advantage of you. Again, you need to live between the snow poles, okay? You need to live by the book. You focus on your character. You focus on what God has called you to do. And I promise you, God is going to take care of your reputation. Okay? Let vengeance be His and not yours. You try to solve the problem, it's just gonna get worse. God's got a bigger plan. And part of that plan is working in your life. Helping you to be more humble. Helping you to be more gentle. Helping you to be more patient. You know, we don't learn these things. When life is good, we learn these things when life is difficult, when we are being challenged um, in, our, in our Christian life. So God has a plan. But that doesn't mean that as Christians when um, when we face hard times, you know, we're gonna look at this in a in a f- several weeks from now, but in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, uh, I believe it's verse 11, uh, Paul says, Stan- stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay, we need to be wise. We need to be wise as serpents and as gentle as doves, the Bible says. And we live in a wicked world. And we, there's a world out there that hates Christians. And it's of the enemy, the devil. And it's seeking to devour God's people. And the worst thing that we can do is play by their rules. God wants us to take the higher road, the road that will glorify him, that worthy calling that we've been called to. But but in this, In these times, um, God doesn't want us to be melbatose, um, weak Christians. He wants us to stand firm, but to stand firm in the truth. And that means that you and I are going to have to confront issues occasionally and not be afraid to confront issues. The world doesn't like the truth and the world is trying to silence the truth. We're not to be ashamed of the church truth of the truth church. The truth sets people free. And you and I need to speak that truth. Not be ashamed of that truth. Speak the truth in love. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. The power of the gospel and what Jesus came to do can change people's hearts and lives. As they, as they believe what Christ has done for them on, on the cross, as they turn from their sin, which is obviously not working for them, but is leading them to a path of destruction. But as we faithfully love share, and stand firm in the truth. You trust what God, and only God, can do in that person's life. You're not the Holy Spirit. We can't change people's lives. Christ only calls us to be His witness, to tell others of what Christ has done in our life. And Christ can do the same in theirs. This, this is what God has called us to do. So again, why are we to walk worthy? Why are we to live according to these characteristics? Well, verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 4, that we might um, maintain the unity of the Spirit. Verse 3 says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What's the bond of peace? I believe the bond, church, is love. As we love, as we obey Him, as we walk worthy, The, the church, church's unity can be preserved. Again, these are characteristics that need to describe the church. This is how we are to be conducting our lives with one another within the body of Christ. We have the responsibility to, to preserve the unity through the bond of peace, through the love of Jesus Christ. So that that preservation, that worthy walk, is to be in the church. That worthy walk needs to be in our homes with each of our family members. That worthy walk needs to be in our workplace, in our school, uh, as we are, are witnesses for Jesus Christ, but as we walk worthy, God is going to be glorified, and it's all about His glory. God has given us so very much through through our salvation through His Son, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, the inheritance, our down payment of, our inter- of eternal inheritance. Church, we need to know these things. And in knowing these things, that means we need to live out these things. It's not easy. Every one of us needs... The Holy Spirit to empower us, to fill us, to enable us. Where are you at this morning? What character quality does the Lord Jesus need to work on in your life? Is it humility? gentleness, patience, carrying one another in love, not ignoring them, but genuinely being concerned for them and involved in this relationship. God wants to use this in your life My life and the life of those that we struggle with. And He can help you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you haven't called us to do these things in and of ourselves. God, that you've given us your spirit. as every head's bowed and every eyes closed this morning, maybe God is convicting your heart. There's an area of your life towards someone that uh, you're not being very patient with. You're not showing a whole lot of love towards. And it is a huge struggle in your life. My friend... Give it to God. What God is asking you to do in walking this way is not an option. He expects this of every one of us who is his children. You can't do it in the flesh. And And so this morning, would you just cry out, to your Heavenly Father and say, God, help. I need for you to do this in my life. That doesn't mean you tolerate sin. You speak the truth in love. Be a person of grace and truth. Just like Jesus you keep trusting Jesus. God has allowed this person or this situation in your life for a specific purpose. To bring glory and honor to him. Let him use it in your life. my friend if you're here this morning without Christ that's where it begins you need a relationship with Christ you cannot do this on your own repent of your sin and come to Jesus and he will fill you he will forgive you He will call you his child. He adopts you as his very own. Surrender your life to him. Thank you, Father, for this time that we've had together this morning, for your living word. May it be a reality in each of our lives. Lord, as we go through stuff, as we go through those storms, may we be people of, of the book, and you you will show us the way. In Jesus' name, amen.